1: high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're talking to the founder and CEO of a company in the tech space, making efficiency and cost savings in the healthcare industry. Our guest, Tamash, joins us to tell us about his journey and the great work he and his fellow founders and teams are doing and where they're going with it all. So let's not delay, let's get Tomash into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome, Tomas. Welcome to CTO Confessions podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Brilliant. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do and who do you work for?
0: Yes, I'm Tomas. I am one of the three co-founders and the CEO of Xund which is an Austrian-based health tech company. We're basically developing um, diagnostic algorithms that help healthcare providers to automate and digitize their interactions um, with patients um, using our software as a service product.
1: Fantastic. That's great. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that very shortly. Sure. But before we start, I'd, I'd really like to understand your kind of journey um, of how you've got to where you are now, uh, because you're leading a tech company. How did you get to this point? What brought you to this?
0: Actually, it was a really, really structured process. As you said, I'm not a tech guy. I'm, I'm a business guy. I'm, I'm, I'm the business guy in our founding team. And I studied international management in Vienna and in Switzerland, and then went on to work for McKinsey as a consultant uh, for a few years, which uh, really taught me how to dig into unknown problems and, and um, try to come up with solutions for um, really complex um, challenges. But uh, I always had the desire, uh, basically since early childhood, to become a founder. And one of my childhood friends, Lucas, who's now my co-founder, we went to school together uh, and... and throughout our, our, our school years we we're always looking up to the the tech founders in silicon valley and said and we want to do that we want to be founders ourselves uh, but after high school you know we all decided to go our ways um, we weren't ready to, to to go down founder's lane and um, yeah after i believe seven eight years um, on on the market working in different jobs we said Either we do it now or we do it, we will never do it. And we basically spent around a year thinking about what business to start. We looked at more than 100 business ideas from all different spaces, um, online food retail, um, media, um, and healthcare. And and really in a very structured format, scored them based on, you know, how profitable will it be? How much would we love doing it? How easy it is to, to, to um, you know, make it successful, et cetera basically what we thought, how easy it will be back then. Um, you know, Remember, neither of us was either a tech guy nor a, a, a med uh, guy. So we thought, hey, cannot be that complex, you know, just to connect a few symptoms with a few illnesses. And then, you know, you build a nice front end around it and there you go. You have your billion dollar company. So we uh, we ended up after uh, this year long search um, going for Xund. And yeah, throughout the journey, we learned the obstacles. we we learned the challenges of being a tech founder, being a tech founder specifically in the healthcare sector. Um, looking back, it was probably the best decision we took. I enjoy it every day. Uh, we had a few very deep and low moments, um, but looking back, you know, it, it gave us so much strength and, you know, whatever happens with the company, hopefully it will be a great success. I mean, I personally view it as a success um, already today, but, um, regardless what happens with the company in the end, just the learnings I took away from it um, are really invaluable. Brilliant. I love it.
1: And and I'm really curious around that particular point at which you decided that you needed to kind of make that jump, you know, leap off that cliff uh, to become a founder of a company. What was was the draw?
0: Yeah, I, I mean both myself uh, and Lucas we um, were in a position in our lives where we have spent a few years at companies um, that gave us a lot. So I, I personally, um, I believe it was the best decision for me to go to McKinsey. The learnings, which I took away from there were just brilliant and, and also the network and the people I met. I'm, I'm still very, very grateful for, for that learning experience, but I just had the feeling that I have to, to, to scratch that itch, which I have been <laughs> having uh, yes. since early childhood and, and, and really, try to, to do something on my own and and really start something from zero and um otherwise i would probably be looking back at this phase of my life for the you know for the next decades and really uh, and always ask the what if question and i yes. didn't want to be in that that space and, and that's basically the main reason why we decided to to, to start Gesund. and then we you know we brought in zoltan our third co-founder basically of two weeks after deciding on, on, on the healthcare route, was a senior doctor. So I would argue that the jump was even bigger for him. Uh, I mean, he's um, he was around 50 at that, that time. He was, you know, senior doctor working in Germany, having a really good uh, job and, and a very comfortable life. And he decided to move to Vienna, you know, and start a startup, you know, with, with these two guys. Um, so um, yeah, hats off to him as well.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Um,
0: but, but I believe neither of us really um, look at it as a mistake. We, we all look at it as probably one of the best decisions we took so far.
1: Fantastic. And thank you for sharing that. And well done to you all for taking that, I, I would call it base jumping, you know, jumping off the yeah. cliff, you know, and, and going for it. So, Tamash, coming back to your company, okay, um, it's, it's, it's fascinating. What was the problem? What is the problem that you're solving in the market? What's that? What's that itch that was in the market that needed to be scratched? <laughs>
0: Yeah, so if you, if you look at the healthcare system, it's, um, it's under tremendous pressure from, from various sides. Um, on, on the one hand, you have aging populations, uh, growing populations from a global perspective, um, which means there is a growing demand for healthcare services. And we're you know, getting used to high-quality healthcare. Um, at the same time, if you look at the resources which the healthcare system has, especially the human resources, the time of doctors and nurses, that's really stagnating or in the best case growing at a slower pace than the, the demand is growing so you're having a widening gap that needs to be closed somehow and basically you can do two things you can have doctors and nurses spend less time with each patient which eventually will lead to a, to a, to a worsening quality of, of healthcare or you can make interactions which um the bottleneck in the system the human resource as with uh, with patients on uh, automated and digital in in, in some shape or form. And that's really, that was the initial idea which we had when we embarked um, on on the journey. We need to make interactions between the healthcare system and the patients more efficient. And basically where we ended up with is is a software as a service product that can be taken by any healthcare company. So that could be health insurance, that could be a hospital, that could be a pharmaceutical company going into digital therapeutics. Um, It could be a, a telemedicine provider. Basically anyone, wants to create digital interaction with the patient, take our technology, plug it into their existing channels, their website, their apps, their, their chatbots, and turn them into interfaces can, that can ask meaningful questions to patients in order to collect their unstructured data and structure them, and then use this structured data to interpret it towards you know potential diagnosis and, and potential treatment pathways. So for instance, um, you know an insurance company, um, you know to give you an example, Generali is one of our clients and they are redesigning the, the, pay, the patient journey uh, for their health insurance clients using our technology. They wanna move from being a reimburser of costs at the end of the patient's journey, once you know the patient has received all the treatment, the costs have occurred, they wanna move away from that spot and become a company that is providing solutions at the beginning of the patient journey. And in order to be able to do that, they need our technology to assess the patient in the beginning and tell them, okay, you need to refer this patient to your telemedicine provider, or you need to refer this patient to, um, you know, a clinic which you're operating for specific illnesses. And and that's what we enable them uh, to do. And 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 that's really our, our vision as a company, digitized nice. interactions with patients.
1: I love it. It's augmenting the existing fantastic people already doing the work there, not replacing them, but helping them yeah, get the job sure, done
0: better. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I firmly believe that there's no future where there is zero human interaction in healthcare. Because eventually, when the patient is really uh, feeling sick and feeling bad, they want a human being to touch them, to tell them it's going to be alright. And you need mm-hmm. the doctors to be there for the patients. But you need we need to become more efficient in using those the most valuable resource in the system, really, uh, the healthcare professionals. And that's what we are trying to do. We try to focus the resources there where they matter most.
1: Brilliant. I love it. I'm I'm passionate about your product as well now and hopefully some of the audience out there is seeing lots of kind of use cases where this can be used as well. So yeah. it's brilliant. And, and thank you for kind of uh, jumping into this uh, startup space to kind of create the company that you have. What we want to do now, Tamash is kind of a uh, direct the focus of attention a spotlight on you the leader how do you roll as a leader how do you get the best out of your people and the organization as a whole
0: that's a really challenging um situation which i which i feel is 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 growing uh in in uh as challenge day by day as the team is growing because you know you have to cater to the needs and the, and and the the the, the types of, of of growing number of people and um i would say i'm I'm typically rather the nice guy type of ceo so i i try to be very um you know i, I try to talk to all of our, our our people i try to understand their specific needs uh try to understand if they're feeling bad why they're feeling bad and really come up with a good solution um, but at the same time as a ceo you have to maintain some level of pressure you know it's uh it's 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 this this balancing act um which uh which which i try to achieve i'm certainly not an elon musk type of guy who is you know walking into the meeting room and and turning the tables and and sc- screaming and shouting at, at, at people i try to 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 motivate people into you know performing at their best um we have defined a very clear set of of cl- cultural um you know rules within the company that we try to 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 live by, such as flat hierarchies, uh, the obligation to 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 descend and dissent. So this means that anyone who is higher up in the in in the hierarchy has to listen to questions, recommendations, challenges coming from below just as much as if they were coming from the same level or above. But at the same time, we also hold our people, uh, you know, fresh joiners, interns. Um, accountable for speaking up you know if they see something which they which they dislike or with, with which they disagree they really have to speak up and 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 and, and tell us what they believe would be the right um, path for us as a, as a company and you know that's really something i try to to embrace as a leader be open to challenges from from all sides but eventually you know you're the guy who has to take the decisions uh because you're the one who's who's who's, who's bearing, uh who's um having the responsibility on its shoulders so it's a uh, it's a challenging situation, but I enjoy it every day. Brilliant. I love it.
1: And, and leading a tech company, uh, you kind of mentioned that you're not what I would call a classical techie, but you do yeah. uh, operate in a kind of technical world. What's the kind of uh, learning around that? What's worked? and What hasn't worked
0: for you? It's a, it's a very interesting situation because um, you know, we have a number of different departments in our company. We have um, the development team, the, the, the front-end developers, the back-end developers, the data science team, the, the quality management team, the doctors. And you know, if you look at all of those teams and the, and the people working there individually, yeah. they actually all know much more than I do about a specific topic that's really relevant for the company. So, so in, in a weird way, they all have some sort of an information advantage um, over me. It's really hard for me <laughs> as a, you know, somebody with a master's in international management to judge the quality of work of one of our data scientists or, or the quality of work of one of our, um, you know, backend developers. And um, now we're thankfully in a situation where we have a very strong group of, uh, of team leads who I personally fully trust and and and. Where I can basically outsource the the the, the technical side and the, and the, I would say the, the the professional knowledge side of assessing how a team is doing, assessing how a person is doing, and I can really focus on on the cultural side and making sure that there's harmony between the individual teams and that the team leads work together and information is flowing freely, and we really all work together into a direction which serves the best interest of our customers, of our patients and that we, as a collective, um, succeed.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. That's brilliant. I, I think um, I love this, um, I love this varied set of people that you have here. I mean, it's pretty wide range, isn't it? And uh, yeah. I, I guess what you're kind of focusing more on is the the outcomes that you would like, you know, you see the bigger picture and where we need to go, and what's going to make those uh, make it come true.
0: That's a challenge, right? Um, because every individual team within the company has its own goals, has its own preferences has its own focus area. And, um, you know, my goal as, you know, the, the guy leading those individual teams as a collective is to balance out those needs, make sure everyone gets what they need. But, you know, nobody is is, is overly dominant. We don't tilt too much into one direction or the other. It's, it's very easy, you know, to focus too much on just data science or, or, or just the medical side or just quality mm. management. And then you end up with a, with a, with a tilted company that is, is not capable of serving the, all the needs of, 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 of its clients. And, and, and that's really the, the, the challenge which I'm facing on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. That's great. So Tomas, what in your leadership has not worked in the past and you learned from it?
0: Oh, probably one of the biggest learnings as a leader for me was that um, the idea you have at the beginning of your business is important, but it's, uh, it's going to change a whole lot during uh, execution. Um, you know, As I said in the beginning, we spent around a year figuring out the perfect idea for the company. Now, um, it turned out that basically we 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 abandoned that idea more or less after two weeks of, of founding so so because the original idea was to have a telemedicine provider that was enabled through smart tech so so basically pre-assessing patients in a digital form before the patient gets to talk to a doctor through video consultations but you know once we we got Zoltan, our, our head of um, medical and third co-founder on board he basically immediately pointed out guys you know, this is not solving any problem. You know, telemedicine is shifting the problem from, from, from a hospital into the digital field, but you have to take a doctor out of the hospital and sit them in front of a computer. So eventually, you know, you're just shifting the problem. You're not really solving it. So, so that's, that's not the right way to go. And and that was one of, that was the first pivot, which we did. We said, okay, you're right. Let's focus on something else. Let's focus on this tech enabled part. Let's, let's create a B2C product. Let's create an app of our own that, um, that interacts with patients, collects their their, their symptoms, their risk factors, and then tells them what to do in a a medical situation. Um, We basically developed for one and a half years towards this product. We launched it as a medical device. Uh, We're super happy. It was a very nice looking app. We got a lot of positive feedback from test users. After six months, we basically had to to, decide that it's just not a business that's gonna work out. Uh, Customer acquisition costs were going through the roof. Uh, and it was just really, really hard for us to make money with it because people, especially in Western Europe, are, are not willing to pay for healthcare uh, out of pocket, typically. Um, so again, we're we're there basically looking back at the past two and a half years and saying, okay, we've developed a product which, in theory, is good, but it's it's just not a working business. So what now? And and again, very similar to the first deal, we said, okay, let's let's look at the problem, and the problem is high customer acquisition costs and and low monetization. So what's what's the solution? Let's try to take one of the two at least out of the equation. And the solution which we figured out was taking the strong tech which we have developed for a B2C product and package it into a B2B product so we can sell it to healthcare companies who already have the relationship with the patient, thus don't have to spend on the customer acquisition costs and can immediately start benefiting from the more efficient digital interactions and you know that was probably the best decision we took so far as a company so immediately took off we managed to close deals with companies like to be insurance group largest insurance company in austria Generali, um, you know a few pharma companies so a lot of really really you know high profile healthcare companies in europe and um you know this just shows you um mm-hmm. you have to be flexible and and what might look as a mistake the beginning. So basically, us looking back at the first two years and saying, yeah. oh "Shit, we've we've burned a lot of money and a lot of time on something that you know, just yes. there's just no no real market for it." Um, you know, we had to just reconsider the approach, tweak it a little bit, basically just tweak the business model, and voila, you have a company that's going through the roof.
1: Brilliant. So um, that's
0: that's that's really the major learning for me. Uh, you know, mistakes are, are are not always what what they seem in the beginning. Sometimes it just takes a few twists and tweaks and and you can turn a mistake into a success.
1: Yeah, I love it. A great, beautiful pivot. I kind of reminds me of a dance floor almost, you know. This is almost like a pirouette, you know. You kind of Eesh. did your spin and kind of like we're in the new direction. And, it, and I guess, you know, being in business, it's like a dance. So on the subject of pirouetting and pivoting, okay, I'm just looking back at my years of software engineering myself and getting decisions kind of uh, permeating down from the kind of uh, the higher excellence of the organisation saying, we're changing direction. How do you manage that?
0: I mean people don't like this these kind of pivots I mean I don't like these kind of pivots either as a leader because it, <laughs> it always involves pain it involves sleepless nights it involves money burned and and, and new you know cash needed in order to 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 uh, get the, the, the ship rolling towards the new uh, destination um, but but here I believe again the cultural aspects um, that I've talked about previously of hiring people and putting a big focus on, on on hiring people that 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 have an entrepreneurial mindset and that really believe in the vision of, of Xund as a company, it really pays off because, you know, through these these transparent processes, through these flat hierarchies that we had, we basically sat down with every individual team, you know, explained the situation we were in, asked for their ideas on, you know, how they view the situation, what we could do in order to 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 become more successful, are they in line with um, with the strategic pivot that we're taking? And you know, even though the initial reaction of many team members, both from the tech team, tech team, but also especially from the from the medical team, from the doctors, who saw this as kind of like you know a betrayal of our original vision of of, of providing an app to every individual patient, you know, irrespective of of, of where they live and and who they are. Um, but, but once, they, once the team understood that either you know, we figure out a way in order to make this work as a business or the company is simply going to cease to exist and, and we we're not going to be able to reach any of our goals. It pretty much convinced everyone that even though it's painful, even though it's not what we we're looking for from the first uh, place, you know, this is the right step to take as a company. And once we had that collective agreement within within the team that this is the way to go, I personally believe there wasn't a single person who was who was unhappy or or, or or really frustrated about the new task, new direction that, that the company is taking. And in fact, uh, I believe we haven't lost a single person um, due to any of these strategic um, pivots, which, uh, which uh, I believe is looking back quite surprising, but but it, it really um, shows how much it pays off to hire for culture and not just professional qualities.
1: Excellent. I'm going to send a high five to all of your team and all of your organisation <laughs> for being being great dancers on the market dance floor, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So well done to all of you on that one. Yeah. So um, as a as a leader, leading a tech company, what keeps you up at night, Tamash?
0: a bunch of different topics and actually the topics are changing as the company is mature in, in in the beginning in the first few years we were basically bootstrapping for the first one and a half years it was very concrete existential threats you know personal existential threat how am i going to pay my rent
1: uh
0: how <laughs> right how, uh, how am i gonna you know tell my wife we're not going on holiday this year again um now it's changing now these existential threats um are are, are shifting towards a a, a a deep feeling of responsibility for the team um, I'm leading. Um, you know, every time we start running out of money and we start looking for new investors, um, the, the pressure with the growing team is growing on, on on me personally of being able to provide for the, the rent and the food on the table of, of our employees. And don't get me wrong, we have brilliant people who are gonna find another job, you know, in a second. So I really don't worry about anyone you know, going uh, into unemployment uh, d- due to our, um, you know, a potential failure of us as of a company. But still, you know, we have a really good team atmosphere, a really good vibe as a company. And I know everyone would be really, really sad and and and, and frustrated of, of having to let go of this wonderful journey we're on together. So so that's, that's one of the things uh, that keep me up at night. The second thing is, how are we, becoming better and better uh, in serving the needs of our clients. We are in a, in a very new market. You know, Basically the market we are serving is just being created. It's, I, I believe not even 10% of the markets of the potential market for us to serve is created today. And um, this means there's also no clear understanding on the side of our customers, what they're actually looking for. So, and so very often it's our, task as 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 a solution provider as a tech company coming into into for instance a big insurance company to help them identify the right pathway for their own products and to show them how our product fits into that 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 future vision and this is quite a big responsibility for for such a small uh company like um like we are and you know this is something i i i Think about day in, day out. How can we become better in, in serving needs of, of the patient eventually and, and the healthcare providers uh, we are serving? And and then the last bit of it, and, and that's probably most relevant for your podcast, is how are we going to... So what, once we know how we could serve the needs of our, of our clients best, how are we going to turn this into efficient... Um, development processes and and really turn the the fantasy into reality because you know that's that's where the, the the interesting challenges pop up you know something where you you know believed it will take you two days it turns out it takes two months. <laughs> yes.
1: you
0: know, you know, sometimes it's the other way around. Very rarely we believe you know something's gonna take a month and then we somehow magically figure it out in three days. But I would say rather the opposite case is 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 is, uh, is what's happening. Mm. and um, you know with these with these shifting uh, capacities within the team, you know we're still a small team, so it's not like, Okay, this takes two months more, so I'm just going to deploy somebody else from some other team into the topic, uh, and, and we're going to make it faster. So, constantly reprioritizing and, and making sure that that we move on towards the with the with the most uh, value adding tasks without pissing off the, the okay. development team and without giving them the feeling of having to work on a complete different topic every single week. Um, you know, that's that's then the the, the last piece which is uh, which is keeping me up.
1: Fantastic! Thank you for sharing this. and thank you for being being a, a confessor on the CTR confessions. That's great. Thank you for that. So, tamash you, you're through your you know uh, leadership that you described. How do you get the best out of your teams then to make them into high performing powerhouses of productivity and delivering value?
0: In general, I believe zooming out a bit from the tech team and, and looking at the company in in in, in general. What's really important is that you have a flexible and transparent goal setting system in place. Um, we work with, with OKRs, Objectives and Key Results. Um, I'm sure many listeners are familiar with the, with the approach. Um, some of the biggest tech companies in the world um, use it. And, and we try to do, uh, do the same as well. Uh, so we sit together every quarter and um, you know define what are the five most value adding goals from the company's perspective for us to work on. And then, you know, have a week of, of feedback session where basically everyone in the company has the possibility to challenge our five objectives for the company um, and, um, you know, make sure that we're all aligned on on the, the, the direction we're heading. And then we spend the week on working out bottom up from every single person to every team and then from the teams to the company level um, system that, that will enable us to reach the goals by the end of uh, the quarter and then you know after three months uh, you know we sit down we review we also have monthly reviews in between our team level to make sure we're still aligned and we're heading into the right direction and this helps us in challenging times where we you know sometimes you get lost in translation and you don't know you know which way to go and it's, it's always good to have you know a north star to 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 look at and then we you know look into our okr documents and say okay we define that this is the most value adding direction to have, and we still believe it is. So let's focus on those tasks that really make us move fastest towards um, that direction. And then the last bit is making sure you review the performance and 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 give transparent feedback to to people on a regular basis. Um, and actually, we still do this on the founders level. So um, mostly, Lucas, Sultan and myself conduct. You know, more than 100 interviews every quarter with different members of the team in order to collect 360-degree feedback on every single individual working at Xund. And, you know, as, as we're growing, this is getting really, really time-consuming. So, it, it, you know, it takes up a, a number of days uh, from us to, to really go through that. But first of all, it gives us a super deep look into the minds of, of our team and, you know, what's bothering them, what what they like, uh, and, 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 and really gives us a sense of, of what challenges there are in the team and, and what we need to solve in order to make the team more efficient. And at the same time, it gives us the ability to provide individual coaching on a very detailed level to every single person working at the company and help them become better through the next quarter until the next evaluation. And as I said, very time consuming, probably very costly if you would translate you know my, my hours spent on this, uh, but best investment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious, actually, you say you do that every quarter. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's quite a good cadence, you know, and imagine yeah. very, very time consuming. But um, as a kind of counter to the comment that you just made there, um, it's, uh, it's very costly, but I got a feeling the investment is just paying for itself again and again. Absolutely.
0: And I you know my personal goal is to keep this, this, me- this methodology is so basically the founders doing those interviews going you know, ideally, until we hit at least 100 uh, employees, I mean, by that time, it, it's going to take me you know, one and a half weeks, most likely every quarter. But but I don't want to lose this connection to the team. And, uh, you know, after that, probably we're going to start rolling in a few head offs into the process. But but I, I still want to remain involved in this, this process, you know, until I'm the CEO of the company. Brilliant. I love it. I can hear the passion. Okay. You're very connected to
1: people. And I love that. Coming on now to organizational growth, you kind of mentioned the doubling, tripling in the kind of coming years, which, you know, I'm really hoping and rooting for you to be able to do that. Are there any things that you spotted that are foundations for growth, things that would really make your life easier as you grow?
0: Hmm. I mean, it's it's middle management. It's, that, that's, that's, that's really, I believe, the key to success. And you know, we have started off with three founders, which, and, and the three of us were naturally the the three managers of the company in the first two years uh, mm. up until we were around 10, 15 people. And then at some point you start seeing the need for a layer below. And, you know, that's the layer we have built now over the last, um, years. We have, you know, a few head offs, head of quality management, head of data science, head of, um, development. And what we see now is for instance, uh, our head of development is now managing a team of 15 and, you know, there's the rule of thumb that, that, that the person, cannot lead more than 10 people um, with sufficient quality. And, and I believe it's true. So we are now in the process of defining the layer below him. So that would be, you know, from, from an organizational perspective, that would be the third, fourth layer of, of, of management. And having those layers in place before you start scaling the number of people in the organization is, I believe, the key to success. And having people there who have been with the company for a sufficient amount of time, have been soaking up the culture for a sufficient amount of time, know the ins and outs of the product, the challenges, the way we work, is key in order to, you know, make scaling efficient. Because otherwise, you can very well end up in a situation where you double the team size, but the efficiency of the team, you know, maybe just grows. Or, or, the, or the output of the team maybe just grows by 20% or 30% because even though you have more hands, you know they're just you know running around unguided because there's no <laughs> system and, and 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 management in place.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think that's a really good one to middle management. I think middle management get it hard, get it in the neck quite, quite a lot, you know, what are they there for? What do they do? I think they, I, th- I can't remember the company. No, in fact, it was Google did a whole kind of study of what do managers deliver to a company? And I think the value of them is that network, that kind of informal networks, connections across yeah. the organisation and directing and realigning the organisation when it starts to head off in a, a
0: unexpected direction. I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's all about making sure that the layer above has sufficient capacity on focusing on the most value adding tasks, and and probably it's not the most value adding tasks to do, you know, code reviews for the the, the new full stack developer intern. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's prob- yes. for 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 a head of developments. it's much better to have a layer in between. Um, so somebody is building up management experience, and and you know, you have the next um, line of, of 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 future managers preparing for for taking. The higher roles, mm. um, and 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 the people above have time to think about the strategic decisions and 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 making sure that the organization in general is heading into the right direction. And you know, it, it might seem like like unnecessary headcount to some. To me, it's uh, it's making sure that that we have the right people working on the right tasks. That's right.
1: I I have an opinion here around, for, particularly for founders like yourself and uh, senior leadership, is that they actually need time to do nothing. They need that time yeah. to. Think and have that space to just contemplate, reflect. You know, and, and yeah. if
0: you're full at it all the time, you don't have that. You know, so you know that's 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 some criticism which I'm getting recently from from the team, um, and and which I'm trying to actively work on. Um, I mean, we're going through an intense fundraising right now. We are growing like crazy. We have you know new customers that that need to be you know they they, they need the meetings with the CEO and and like so. I'm spending a lot of time on on you know operative stuff and and really losing my time to think about the challenges of the company and you know we just two days ago we hired our founder associate um, who's you know really smart guy um, you know I'm, I'm I'm very optimistic that he's going to help me a lot and 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 the, my hope is that I can outsource some of the operating of the company to him in order to be able to think more about which direction the company should 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 head and from a you know if you would look at my daily routine and what tasks i'm achieved maybe that would mean that objectively my efficiency would will decline over the next month because i will have less tasks and less you know tick boxes to tick at the end mm-hmm. of the day that's but, right but but probably i will be able to to add much more value to the company because i will be I will have the time to think about the bigger challenges and and you know Maybe come up with the next big pivot, you know, never know. Excellent.
1: That's good. I think that's great advice to yourself, you know, kind of thing. I think uh, that's brilliant. And uh, and I think that's an important one for tech leaders out there to have that space to explore, you know, and see the bigger
0: picture, you know. Uh, within... Especially if you're a techie. Especially, if, I mean, I see yes. this. I see this with, uh, with our head of development, our head of data science. They, <laughs> it sounds weird, but uh, they have two personalities living in them. You know, they, they will always, <laughs> remain developers with a strong urge to sit down and write code and, and, you know, have something tangible to put on the table at the end of the day. And they have constantly have to fight against this urge in order to enable the rest of the team to to work well and, and achieve their goals. And, you know, still until today, sometimes I have the feeling they just need to sit down for half a day and, and, and write some code in order to feel good. Yes. But, but, You know, you have to question yourself is this the most value adding thing you can do? And, um, you know, until a certain point in your career, it is. And from a certain point onwards, it's not. Yes. And we all have to go through this process.
1: I think you're right. Being a techie myself, I totally get what you're saying because I used to be the same. We just want to get on with it. In fact, it reminds me of a saying which we sometimes hear in the agile world, which is don't just do something, stand there. Mm. You know, (laughs) it's a kind of play on words. And I think it's absolutely right. Sometimes we just need to stop and reflect, you know, take a few steps back to take a, a giant leap forward. And, and for your company, um, any engineering challenges that you've been facing?
0: Sure. Um, I mean, right from the beginning, uh, our life was a, was a big challenge. Uh, I mean, I, I, I told you we're the second wave of, uh, of companies on the, on the market. Uh, so uh, when we started, you had companies out there like, like Ada Health, Informatica babylon in the uk you know who have been working on these challenges for you know five six seven years have spent hundreds of millions on on developing their products and we were there selling our cars and and you know scratching together all the life savings which we had and and thinking about how we could build a a, a company and a product that's that's up to the task of of challenging those those guys you know and 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 in 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 winning a tender with a company like Generali, so um we didn't have the luxury to solve this problem with throwing money at it. As, you know, as I said, we didn't start off with an angel investment. Um, and and basically the biggest, you know, technological challenge which we solved as our first major uh, project in, in, in the field of AI, and which still until today is one of our main competitive advantages is how you can build a medical database um, which serves as a baseline to run your decision-making algorithms on without having too many doctors working for you. Uh, in fact, we had one doctor working for us, which was Zoltan, our co-founder in the beginning. So we, in the beginning, we teamed up with, uh, with the Technical University of Vienna and, and created together with them a, a tool called DISCO. Um, DISCO stands for Disease Symptom Correlation Obtainment. Uh, we, we, we like to have, uh, have cool <laughs> names for our products because it's just easier to remember. And basically what DISCO does, it, it uses um, natural language processing in order to read millions of medical publications and, and, and discharge read reports and basically texts which contain a lot of valuable medical information, but in a format which is unusable to run decision-making algorithms on. And, and you know, DISCO reads those papers and extracts correlations between symptoms and illnesses and risk factors and, and profile data and, and basically creates a raw version of a database entry which then our team of doctors only has to review and and annotate and make sure the quality is right but it's a much more efficient and and objective process of creating a database and 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 this approach has enabled us to be so fast to market and so efficient in using our our um, uh, our investment so far and and you know, we try to maintain this mentality now um also with um basically everything that we do we we every time somebody starts at the company, we we share them we share with them a vision document which which we have written which you know, talks about the flat hierarchies I've already mentioned, talks about the medical vision that we have, and also talks about the tech vision that we have. And um, here we basically you know use this example of, of creating Disco as as a guiding star again to tell people whenever we face a challenge as a company. Even though, you know, we might have more money now. And, you know, maybe in, in two years, we're going to have a few hundred millions in our, uh, in our bank account to spend. But still, if we face a challenge, our first reaction should be, okay, let's throw some money at it, at it and it will be solved. But let's try to be creative and let's try to think about some, some technical innovation that can help us get closer to a solution, maybe not 100%, but get somewhat closer to the solution before we, you know, start hiring new people or, 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 or building up new teams in order to solve that, that that problem for us. At the same time, this only works if in those areas where there are high quality um, state-of-the-art solutions, you know, you just take those state-of-the-art solutions and use them because there's no, there's no need to reinvent the wheel every time you do something. So if, if something is good on the market just take it and use it. And if there's some major challenge which we face, where there's no solution out there in the market, then let's really try and think about some 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 engineering innovation that we can use in order to outsmart the market again, like we've done in the past.
1: Wonderful. I love it. I, I love that. That's excellent. So as we come towards the closing arc of our time together Tomash, and um, I've got some really nice warm questions to ask you, what advice would you give to aspiring tech leaders out there?
0: do it <laughs> <You> <laughs> just do, do it, it. Really. I mean, there, 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 yeah there's there, there, there's there's just no easy way to do it you, you you have to jump off the cliff and um you know it might turn out well it might not turn out well but irrespective of how it will turn out believe me you're going to learn so much from it that whatever you're going to do afterwards you're going to be much better uh, as a leader as manager as um you know as a person Brilliant.
1: Reminds me of the book, which I was talking about with somebody
0: today, uh, Richard Branson's book,
1: Screw It, Let's Do It, you know, kind of mm. thing. Uh, it's great words. I think it works in lots
0: of different situations. It's not too creative to, to, to go with that uh, suggestion, but, but really, th- that's all it takes. You, know, you have to let go and jump and, and do it and, you know, hope, hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and as part of that kind of uh, recommendations of things that have helped you in your leadership, are there any books, TED Talks or events or even mm-hmm. poems? We've had poems on CTO Confessions that have inspired you and drove you forward that you'd like to share with our aspiring mm-hmm. leaders.
0: I have to disappoint you, I won't read a poem now, but uh, but I have, a, I have a book which I actually have on my uh, next to my bed and, and I read it every day. I've read it every day for the last three uh, years um, before going to bed, and that's um, Daily Stoic from Ryan Holiday. You know, I've I've really embraced uh, Stoicism as a, as a, as a as a way of life and a way of thinking uh, over the mm-hmm. last years. Typically, it's just one one page a day. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes when I'm when I'm when I'm really you know challenged and and have have a lot of you know noise in my head, I read a few pages. But irrespective, I always every night before I go to bed, I read one page of it, and it really helps me clear my mind before I go to bed. I totally agree with you i
1: i get their regular updates uh on email in their newsletter yeah it's really good it's yeah, really good highly recommended and i'm going to pretend now to be a tech genie for a second okay i'm going to offer you a wish Tamash. uh for your leadership for your industry wh- whatever it is that's going to make your life easier what would that wish be
0: one of, one of the most annoying things of, of being a founder in in an industry which is trying to sell software to big b2b companies is the slow decision making processes and You know, the only reason why those decision making processes are so slow is because people have designed them to be like this. And, you know, this is one of the most frustrating things for me about working also in a corporate and why I never really looked at this as a viable option for me for my career, going into big corporate and, you know, just working through the ranks. Um, You know, if... If, if if those companies could just be faster in making decisions, you know that would make my life and our life as a company just so much easier because sales cycles would be uh, shorter and you know receiving a fast no is is, is much better than receiving a no after twelve months of working on a deal. Yes. So um, so that that would really be my biggest wish to to have big corporates more efficient in decision making and and, and faster in, in getting back to 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 startups like us. Well you're lucky there Tamash. I've got this you don't need a wish for
1: that. I've got a special oil. It's called corporate lubrication oil for decision making. <laughs> uh, that will I will offer you in a jar.
0: You yeah, know? Pl- please, please, please send it over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's brilliant. But yeah, I, I, I hear you on the uh, the corporate decision making. You know, because they are large organisations and they and they have their own kind of processes and systems. So I will mm-hmm. I will offer you that wish. So thank you for that. Thanks. So as we come to the full stop of our time together, unfortunately, what would you like to gift to the tech leadership community with a key take?
0: My key takeaway from the last three years of, of, of leading a tech company is um, yeah, prioritise the people, prioritise the culture, and um, you know, everything else will, will work out. If you have a great team, they're going to solve the most challenging situation. If you have a bad team you who's know, not able to work together, they're going to screw up the easiest tasks. So um, that's really my key takeaway. Fantastic. It's been great having you on, Tamash. And I look forward to
1: hearing about your successes in the future. Thanks for having me. Well, that was a great conversation with Tamash. I love the automation and digitalisation work he and his team are doing to make interactions with patients more efficient, cost effective, with better outcomes through their software and service products. Another great example of how tech can make a great difference by augmenting scarce resources so those valued and time-stressed experts can do what they do best, which is caring for people. So what were your key takeaways? These were mine. Number one, it was Tamash's comment around prioritizing people and prioritizing culture first. With those in place, you've got a much higher probability of success. My second key takeaway is around making people passionate about the work they are doing. Explain to them the why. Align them to the vision. Get them to understand the difference that their work is going to make with the end customer. And in this case, people. That need to be cared for. My third and final key takeaway is around scratching that itch. That's right. If you have an urge, exercise a movement in the direction of getting that itch scratched so that you make those ideas in your head and those urges you have to create something happen. As Richard Branson would say, screw it, just do it. So thank you for your time, Tamash. A great conversation on and offline. I really hope more healthcare industry players use your solution to not only help their own operations, but also improve the care of the people that need it the most. The satisfaction of making such a difference to people's lives must feel really good. Well done to you, your fellow founders, and all your team. I salute you for creating a great solution that's much needed in the market. A huge thank you from me and the IT Labs team. And finally... Remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.